What's going on, everybody? You've got the cardboard coaches here with your boy, Coach Coach. I am the sports card cartel, and I'm cooking a lot less this weekend than uh, Coach Co is, I'll tell you that. Um, what are we referring to cooking? What's that? What are we referring to when, it, when we're talking it about It looks cooking? like you have a house of cookery going on. Have uh, you seen, did you see my, the, the videos? Yeah, man, I've, I've, I've seen. I'm having a bake-off, bro, bake-off. It looks delicious. Um, it's going to play havoc with my attempt to start to eat a little bit better this weekend it certainly doesn't help for those of you who are uh, wondering what the hell's happening right now uh, my girlfriend and i decided because obviously everyone's bored is absolute fuck because we've been locked down for two months now Ethan, getting on two months i mean it seems like two years but yeah it's yeah been, in, like, in ontario been locked down for i think it's been two months and uh, so we're, we're coming up with uh, new things to do and uh, i love cheesecake so we decided to have a cheesecake bake-off because my girlfriend cannot bake for balls. Uh, Wait a minute, I saw, like, I saw some chocolate chip somethings. Dude, that's a chop chocolate chip cheesecake, man. Come oh, on. Dude, that's a cheesecake you're making? Just oh. wait. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post even better pictures. So for those of you who don't follow me, you got to mm -hmm. follow the Coach Co account. Anywho, we're sidetracking here. Uh, you know what else has been cooking? New Wax. And first of all, we can probably talk about how outrageous the NBA hoops. Did you see the fact that a LaMelo Ball hoops card sold for $150 raw? Yeah. You know, you know what I love about the hobby these days is that <laughs> um, everyone now. Okay, so people are, are really getting to a level of awareness and education where they can say, okay, take the price of the product and compare it to what you're potentially getting out of the product. If you're buying it, see, I, I've, I've managed to extricate myself from this. I'm no longer someone who gets excited about buying wax because of, because of these issues the, the price is, is too high. Yeah. And what are you getting out of it? So someone can say like, look, even if you get a Lamello, and it winds up being a PSA 10, this is how much it goes for. You still spent this much on the wax. What is the goal here? Um, I suspect that one of the elements with wax being so expensive these days, right out the gate, is people are going to put them away. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Do you think that's one of the things yeah. going on here? Yeah. Because otherwise it makes no sense. And that mentality while I kind of agree with it, I've been actually doing that for the past half year. I, I've been putting wax away, resisting the urge to tear into it. Um, that mentality kind of conflicts with the ability for people to go out there, have a good time, and rip some wax. And so, I, think, I think that's what we've lost. I think, especially going into 2021, I think because there was so much momentum in 2020, I honestly think sitting on some of this wax is not going to be that great because I think the print runs are super high. I'm saying specifically the wax that drops in 2021 that isn't short printed. Like, let's say it, I'm not talking Sapphire. I'm talking like straight up sets because right. if I'm a company, if I'm Panini, if I'm tops, I'm going into the upper deck. I'm going in here. Like, dude, if, it, if this is a bubble, 
I'm going balls to the wall here. Like I am going to throw as much out there as possible so that like people can get their hands on them. And uh, I mean, having that sit, I, I, there's still going to be a demand for it in the short term, but like, how do we know long-term? Do you know what I mean? No, like, I, I think, I think a lot of that is really correct because um, 2020 was such a unique scenario. Uh, we got to remind ourselves one of the, one of the biggest elements in 2020 was the amazing rookie classes, of rookies, right? Well, um, in baseball, not... in, in baseball specifically, because yeah. basketball, we're looking back now and like, well, n- nonetheless, you can still make the argument that 1920 is, is full of a lot of potential. Yes. And there were flashy enough names and flashy enough players like Ja, like Zion. And even in, you know, even if you want to talk about 1920 hockey, which, by the way, eventually, I don't know if you noticed that the very tail end there, when you can no longer get Series 2 hobby, Series 1 hobby is starting to dry down, SP Authentic starting to dry down. This, this wound up being a much better rookie class than anticipated. I know, uh, in my opinion, um, and especially with what we're seeing during the season right now. So, you know, the 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 rise of players like Nick Suzuki, uh, it does nothing but help the product right uh, across the board when you're searching for for bases or, or yeah. canvases. So that ended up actually being a pretty good hockey rookie class. And we're, we're about to wrap that up with another product. There's still the cup yet to come. And we'll be talking more about that, obviously, later Ooh, on. But, right. But uh uh, baseball, yes, was an exceptional uh, rookie. Football, right? Huge, full, full of quarterbacks, right? So there was that element. Now, like you said, the momentum of 2020 is definitely going to lead card manufacturers to produce more product. Um, I've seen some interesting graphs about how Tops uh, kind of really let really let the the the, the print run the the presses roll on products like 2019 update um, series two last year. Well, as you uh, so, can see, they're still available. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, like, right? However, you know, that other wax is now influencing people to put things away because, because you, see the, you see the price jumps, particularly in basketball, in football. I think we're going to see it in baseball very soon, especially for products like Sapphire. 2020 yeah, oh, Sapphire, dude, in my honestly, opinion, is Honestly, Sapphire, I, I think, is so undervalued. And the minute you yeah. told me that you were scooping some up, I'm like, this guy's a fucking genius, man. You're, because... pulling, you're pulling singles out of that product. And I understand it's not easy because there's not a lot of cards per box. But you're pulling singles out of there like Bobichet. They're, they're already in the thousands. So yeah. that that's a product that should be coming up significantly, the same way we saw it with 2019 Sapphire. Dude, even but, if you pull a Trout, like, it's still super short print. Like, it might yeah, not be a rookie card, but it's still, like... Mookie Betts, still a super short print. Like any quality player is yeah. still a super short. Like they're sick looking cards too. You know what I mean? Yeah. They've got all the elements there. I think anyone with, you know, the the, the money to play around with and uh, whether you want to crack it or stack it, uh, that's a great product. And it trickles down, in my opinion. I still think 2020 Series 1, once this season starts, man, and some of these guys get going, we're going to remember just how stacked that rookie class was. I think this um, coming one's going to be pretty fucking good too, though. And, this, and so, so again, so yeah, the 2021 classes across the board, hockey, uh, we're hearing it's all right. Uh, series two might actually end up being better than series one. It's already uh, pre-orders sold out, dude. Hmm? Pre-orders yeah. are sold out like everywhere right now. Just about. Yeah. And, and so top series one baseball 2021. Uh, literally, I've never seen anything like it. Every day, the pre-order pricing is going up every single day. Uh, God bless those people that got in a, a, a few months ago. I, I know that a lot of people did. 
I just, I wasn't thinking at the time. And now I'm just playing this chasing game until it gets to the point where once it hits stores, what, what is it going to be at? We, we might be looking at 200 Canadian plus tax. And, and I, I just think back a couple of years ago at the tail end of 2019, I was still able to purchase 2017 and 2018 product, the update product at 80 to 125 Canadian for hobby boxes. And, and that's I did. Like, well, that's, and those that's, have been put away. That's Soto, no? 2018, the last two boxes that I purchased from a local retail store were 90 Canadian each plus tax. That was but that, late that's Soto and, and Acuna, isn't it? That's Soto, Acuna, Otani. Yeah. The list goes on. That, that, that 2018 update is, is a fantastic product. Mental. But I'm just trying to say, you know, it's it's just like night and day now what we're seeing right now when a when a product even before it hits the market as you can see so just less and less accessible more and more expensive logically that's supposed to by the way if, if people are going to be paying 200 per hobby box right off the bat logically you would think that then the rookie cards being sourced and once they're graded should reflect that even though yeah. it's a big product and if it does, you see how it can be a cascading effect down the way. So 2021, it's so expensive to acquire. So therefore, you know, Alec Baum and all these other rookie cards are suddenly at inflated prices. Yeah. And then someone goes back and says, well, wait a minute. What about these Tatis rookie cards 2019? They should be higher. And then what about these ones? It creates a huge cascading effect if it's logical. If I it's mean, not, if, if we see that those cards are coming out and they're selling the same way the rookie cards in 2020 were selling, we have to ask ourselves, why are we paying this premium on the, on the hobby product that, that, yeah. that hits the market? Yeah. So I don't know, man, the, the bottom line is people are buying stuff is selling out. So there's no stopping the train. There's nothing stopping upper deck tops and panini from, from uh, doing what they're currently doing. And, and in basketball, it's even crazier with the prices that we've seen. For pre have, you seen have you seen what the Mookie's at now? We're talking about the update Mookie. Yeah. It's crossed a thousand. It has. What is it heading towards fifteen hundred? It's it's getting there, man. It's slowly getting there. It's especially because they just signed Trevor Bauer. It 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 could get. I mean, if they hit another one this year, I think we're going to be seeing some explosive prices in the next few months. Obviously, Trout is the always the harbinger that sort sort of shows us what we're headed towards. So I think it's a very smart play right now, going back a little further, and that's been my problem lately. I'm. I'm able to self-examine my habits. And I think in all the, the rush to kind of get on top of these last three rookie classes, I have neglected some guys in the past. Um, uh, there are collectors that have reached out to me telling me that they're, they're now acquiring some of their favorites from earlier in the OOs, names that are being, uh, and the 90s, names that are being thrown around like Jeter and Suzuki. Dude, uh, the, the increase so, in uh, in Jeter, I I mean, I've been talking about the Alex Rodriguez one for a hot minute, man, and uh, now all of a sudden it's just popping off. The Jeter really popped off, man. I I I, I accidentally bought. Uh, I don't know what I was doing. These late night excursions in the eBay. I'm sure a lot of us are having these experiences that almost feel like they're hallucinatory, yeah. like you're on drugs. Uh, it's late at night. You're flipping through things. You're buying things. The next day, Unreal. you're like, what to do? Yeah. I, I picked up a Jeter because I think what happened was I was sorting through a seller. When you find a seller that's having difficulty with their listings in terms of their titles, you probably want to follow this person. We yeah, talked about this before yeah. and I tend to do that. And then I'll check them out late at night. 
And he had a, a, a Jeter auction for a BGS 8.5 tops gold. Damn. And I remember, I remember saying to myself, and this is a terrible way to go about making your purchases, but you know, I, I think I have 50, 60 bucks in my PayPal. And so I grabbed it on auction. It was ending at a, at a, at a ludicrous time. Remember timing is everything with auctions. Yes. Everything. And uh, next thing I know, I own one for about 60, 70 bucks after shipping. And then, you know, obviously when you buy a card, you want to check out what's going on and start watching some of the other comparables. And all of a sudden I start seeing these huge numbers on the Jeter gold. And I'm happy I picked one up, even, even if it was by a, a, a happy accident. But man, it, it literally was almost like an overnight you have one? explosion. Yeah, I picked it up. I picked up a, it's an 8.5 top school. That's and, and again, it was one of those situations. I never owned one growing up. I did have the SP a couple times, went through my hands. Um, so I never had the tops gold. And I'm like, you know what? Parallels are very popular right now. A lot of these parallels were very tough. It's so Over, funny. Overnight, it like, it like 10 X, bro. Yeah, when you go to the 90s and you look, if you ever hold the product in your hand and you see the odds, it's like one in 4,000 packs. And then, you know, 10 years goes by and we forgot just how rare those were. And I think, man, there's so much great learning and education yeah. in the hobby right now. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind me shouting out a side project of mine, I, I do that roundtable with uh, uh, poke checking cards. Um, I think his, his IG handles, Tomcat cards. Uh, we do this round table. It's mostly just guys talking about hockey cards. It's, 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 uh, nothing too out there, but the amount of research that these guys are putting in and the amount of knowledge they have from having collected. So I have a gap in my collecting. Um, I had eras where I was really strongly collecting and there's a big gap for me, uh, once, you know, 2000 hits to about 2010. And these guys have that knowledge because they were collecting during that that period of time and all they're doing is just circulating the knowledge reminding people of what should have value and then boom you see it you, you, you start to see it manifest itself Wild. in sales and what people are watching and what people are bookmarking on ebay so it's exciting that's exciting stuff that's that to me is a positive let's talk some about some of the negatives for real i mean like aside from overpriced wax right that's true i mean i guess we opened up with that but there's just so much happening right now. And so quickly, look, the, when, when, when this market is reporting these, these, uh, these sales through the auction houses and everything, and people start sniffing around, we have investment groups now uh, getting involved. The more money is involved, the, the bigger the news stories, more people are going to start coming around and there's going to be more eyeballs on what's going on. Yeah. And there's this whole issue of regulation. We, it's a completely unregulated land because again it, it it is it is for all intents and purposes a hobby but there are now some serious questions starting to come up and again i i want people to kind of guide themselves and kind of find it for themselves but there are some big accounts on on instagram where these things are being discussed the ethics and regulations and operations of how people heard? are running breaks um, the many razes that are associated with the hobby, which are essentially, you know, gambling opportunities, right? Have you heard about the PayPal bans? I've heard all about those. PayPal is full out banning people who get like multiple tiny transactions in without yeah, like yeah. That, are, that are friends and family because they know that this is directly related to, I mean, essentially sports cards, man. Like, and they're like, they're targeting the sports card market. They know that people are using PayPal for it and they're, Given like, the, all right, enough of this. Given, 
given the volume, you can't blame them. They are eventually going to start seeing patterns. And of course, look, PayPal is a service. They charge you to use their service. I've used them for decades. Um, and essentially what you're doing is you're kind of, there's two things happening, right? It's not just people that are using it in a way where they don't have to pay PayPal fees. That's just one element. Yeah. Right. Do you know that? Yeah. The second element is what? Uh, I mean, the, the second I mean, element is that it's considered a form of, of gambling, right? So even if people are paying in goods and services and everything is quote unquote on the yeah. up and up, yeah. There's still this awareness that, wait a minute, what you are doing is a game of chance and that there are individual state laws. Yeah. Um, as far really? as Canada goes, wow. Okay, that makes sense. Right. As far as Canada goes, I don't know if it's federal or if it's provincial, but there are laws pertaining to these things. Never mind the fact that, like we touched on, I think last week, there's probably a lot of you know children that are underage getting involved in yeah. what is, again, for all intents and purposes, gambling. Um so all these issues are, look, I, I, I knew it was inevitable. I mean, with the, with the volume of what's going on, I knew that that would sort of rear its ugly head. But again, I, I do always defer to being, you know, playing the devil's advocate and saying, we, we do, we kind of need breaks. We do, right? Because like, like we started the show off, it's not everyone is going to be able to get brand new wax when yeah. it hits the market. Um, you can't go down to Walmart and grab some because we know what's going on over there. So we need breakers. So what we need are businesses that are running this properly. And there are enough of these already, by the way, not everyone is sketchy. Not everyone is opening boxes with, with, with uh, cases with missing boxes. Not everyone is not sending out cards or saying that they counted wrong. And I'm actually referencing real life situations right now. Coffee breakers. And I'm not accusing anyone and I'm not, making any statements. I'm just telling you that there's a lot of stuff going on. And even if there's a little bit of stuff going on, and it's being misunderstood and you're completely innocent. I have news for you. You've put eyes on the situation and it affects everyone. Right. And again, and I'm saying this passionately and I'm not even involved. I'm not a breaker. Um, the, the, the reality is there has to be trust built up and there has to be uh, a very high level of accountability and responsibility, not even the regular level that all of us should have when we're trading. It should be very hot if you want to make it legitimate and continue to let people have the opportunity to get involved in breaks, right? I honestly, and I'm not even just saying this for the sake of saying it, like the unregulated market for me is something that I really try to stay away from. Like even for a long time when I first started, I was buying cards off people on Instagram and one guy uh, I'm still waiting for the cards. I paid like $80 for all of his Bowman firsts. And he kept saying, yo, I'll send it. Yo, I can't afford to ship. I'm like, I sent you money for shipping. Um, and it just kept happening. And then eventually the guy blocked me. There's like, I, that money's gone. Um, I've had countless instances where like someone sends me a card and it's like fucked up. Um, or, you know, people say they send a card and they don't, or I've had people send me fake uh, shipping info, like they'll give me the tracking number, but the tracking number hasn't been put through. Like it has, yeah. it, it, it's there, but it actually hasn't been like delivered to a post office. So like they made yeah. the tracking number, sent it to me and then like cancel the tracking number. So I, I, I just spoke to someone who had a GMA 10 sent to him. He paid for it. PSA 10. Uh, I myself received a card this week with uh, a chip, a fracture in the BGS case. Didn't affect the integrity of the case, but nonetheless, uh, 
I'm an aesthetics guy. I'm a condition guy. I didn't appreciate it. It was not mentioned to me. Yeah. So we know that every day we already have to deal with these levels of, of uh, idiosyncrasies, inconsistencies, you know, di- dishonesty. There are, th- th- there are heroes in the hobby. I'll tell you that. Um, there are heroes that are representing the community every single day. There, there is IG, uh, 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 sports card scammers of IG on Instagram. That is a tremendous resource for anyone that needs help. At the end of the day, you can only really let others know. And I, and I always tell people that's the number one bit of advice. You have to let people know about this trader. You have to share whatever info you have. If you have their name or if you have their company name or whatever the situation was, you, you do have to let it be known. And I know yeah. that some people are even, um, you know, a little bit hesitant with that sort of thing, but you're protecting other people when you do that. Yeah. Um, there are so many opportunities for fraud every day, no matter what. I was just watching the Rob Walchek news stories from Detroit on YouTube, which are a ton of fun. The guy just goes out there and exposes scammers. They tend to be in the construction industries. Uh, they, they tend to be in real estate. There's all, yeah. all sorts of different industries where the this shady, happens. And shady fucks, you know? Shady fucks. And, yeah. and we have we have protectors in the hobby. Yet, and, and I like that. And, I, and that's building up too. Uh, sort of the, the community supporting supporting one another. And you see a lot of that. That's the good news at the end I of the day. I love it, man is that you can, get, you can get a lot of support once you're kind of ensconced in the community. Speaking of the community, Brent, and speaking about the hobby and collecting, we have someone with us today. We are so fortunate. A good friend of mine, I've not seen him in a while, uh, with the lockdown and all this sort of stuff going on. So this is especially wonderful to, to see an old friend. Um, Lee's Sports Cards of Instagram, the best dressed man that you will see at your local card store. Or local card show, guaranteed. And uh, Matt is what I call a cup super collector. Matt, good seeing you. It's been a long time, man. How are you? Yeah, it's good, man. What's what's Matt? Up? Nice to uh, officially meet you, brother. Yeah, good to hear you from you too. So, Aton is not. He's first of all, I went through your page because I absolutely had to, and some of those cup cards, man, they are. I think you might have the most one-of-one NHL patches I've probably seen on one page at the very least. I think so. I'm pretty competitive, I'd say. Yeah. Matt's, gonna... Matt's page is a smorgasbord of extremely beautiful cards laid out very nicely. He's got cup patches that people dream about. He's got one-of-ones that the great thing about one-of-ones, you haven't seen them before because they're a one-of-one. And there's Matt showing them off. And you get to see these amazingly rare cards. So, Matt, tell us a little bit about your background in the hobby. I know a lot of these answers, but tell us how long you've been collecting. Talk to us about the passion. I know you're a passionate guy when it comes to these cards. And, and talk to us about what you focus on. I mean, obviously, we know you focus on the one-on-ones, but, but there's, you know, there's details to that. So let us know how long you've been at it, what you focus on, uh, what your passions are in this hobby. Yeah, that's a good question. So... You know, I think I, I collected a lot as a kid when I was, you know, 12 or 13 years old. I, I stopped throughout high school. Um, but then, you know, when I got into university, what happened was, you know, I was looking for a way to help pay through uh, my tuition, pay through schooling. I didn't want to work at the mall. So, right. you know, sports cards ended up becoming one of those things where it's like, you know, if you could speculate on how good a player was going to be yeah. and you could think about how popular a player was going to be, then you had a chance to basically take a alternative investment uh, into sports cards in the same way you buy a stock or a bond in the company. 
Uh, and that worked out tremendously for me. You know, that was the beginning. Those are the 401 games days, uh, you know, Tuesday trade nights with Aton, yep. uh, TJ Oshie, super collector Aton. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, uh, yeah, the old, old days, you know, yeah. and that, that was kind of where we were at. And then I think, you know, as my career kind of progressed, you know, non-card wise, um, I was able to kind of build a larger and larger collection over time, you know. Uh, less focused on the investment, the flip, and more focused on, you know, finding things that I like and stuff like that, uh, and diversifying my, my my assets outside of you know just what I would call the currency cards, you know, your young guns, your future watch, your cover yeah. piece, yeah. you know, get into some more niche weird stuff. So the one of ones I like because, again, like you know, if you have it, no one else can have it, right? So from that perspective, you know, that's always something that has been attractive to me. Yeah, I mean that that's that's so so important given what we're seeing now in this market that seems to be driven by cards that are printed in the tens and hundreds of thousands. I think a lot more people are paying attention to the fact now that uh, giving a longer look to these cards that are serial, serially numbered and very limited is probably a productive thing to do. Now, so here's a question, Matt. So obviously everything you touched on there, one of the things that attracted me to your viewpoints when we first became friends all that time ago you dated us there with the tj oshi reference yeah, yeah we, okay. was, i mean i didn't have a lot of people around me a that were working with the level of of cards you were looking at a lot of people were shying away from the cup you were embracing it wholeheartedly particularly as an investment and something that gave you the ability to to build and i noticed that you had this mentality where you know about hockey, you follow the sport, why not apply that? Like you said, the same way applies, uh, the same way someone would apply knowledge of, of the stock market or companies when they are, when they're investing, right? Now we've seen a major shift, unfortunately, because of the realities of life in 2020. So here's a bit of an abstract question for you, but how do you find it's affected collecting? You're someone that I always saw at shows, um, you're very involved in the community, you're very well known, you're very well respected and trusted. We're now in lockdown, there aren't shows, there aren't stores to congregate in. How has this affected uh, collecting and the hobby for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think the, you know, it's created a lot of demand. I think sports cards, the hype, um, you know, basketball went through this a lot earlier than we did. Uh, football's going through it, you know, soccer's going through it. I mean, Pokemon, you know, and I think people are just, you know, in a way, you know, people who have money are bored and they want to do something. Um, you know, when sports are so, you know, uh, galvanating in a time like this where people want some entertainment and people want to, you know, talk about sports cards. And then, you know, you combine that with the fact that there are guys making hand over fist money and, and you know, other people are seeing it, right? So, you know, all, all you need is your buddy to tell you that, oh, I bought a McDavid Young Gun, you know, three months ago for 400 bucks. And now it's a $1,000 card. Yeah. Well, that's attractive to a lot of people, right? And then I totally understand why. Um, but, you know, what I think is interesting is that it's bringing a lot of new interest to the hobby. And that's always a good thing to me. Like, and I know this is kind of a, a different view from a lot of people, but I don't mind the new people in the hobby. I don't mind, you know, people coming in and wanting to, you know, uh, buy up all the young guns that ever existed. Frankly, I like that. Right. I think, you know, we open packs and we open boxes and we always complain about how much shit we get. And, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't mean shit like general shit. I mean, like, the bad stuff, you know, yeah. like just this cards that just don't make any sense, right? But Extra the more stuff. people you have with a hobby, the better chance that you have of actually getting something out of that, right? Like yeah. the better chance you have of actually making, you know, the hobby balance in terms of the value of the box versus the value of the cards. Matt, I've that's, got a question for a, you, man. It's a great yeah. 
and I hope you don't mind it, like the rapid fire, like boom, boom, boom. No, no, no. By all means. So I've, I've definitely, I used to collect when I was a kid. I recently came back into it as a young adult. Now that I've got money, I'm time basically. Yeah. And uh, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. not only that, but obviously, like you said, there's a, like a lucrative aspect of it where like, I know the league, I would, I would like to say better than, you know, the average person at least. Sure. Yeah. And um, I'm like, why not just take advantage of, of some of these opportunities that I, I see people are undervalued. Now, that being said, I'm having some difficulty believing or understanding how the young guns have like almost superseded some of the cup hype. You know what I mean? Like when I first came into it and you, you can ask H on this, it was like really at the beginning of the last playoffs where I was like, okay, like I'm going to go in on, on hockey because like, I love hockey, my favorite sport. And the immediately was drawn to the cup, like the auto, the on-card auto, it was numbered. They are beautiful patches, some of them. And um, yeah. they were not even really that expensive. Like, like from what I was seeing, especially because if I like, for instance, there was like a, my first purchase was a Morgan Riley um, at a 249 RPA yeah, yeah. Yeah. A nasty letter patch that I, I found out later Aton actually owned at some point. Yep. So I probably, I probably owned it too then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like it went full circle here, but it's an eight, eight and a half. It was BGS. I ended up paying like, I think it was 155 Canadian. Sure. And I'm looking at things now. First of all, nobody's buying, at least from like, I'm scrolling through eBay and looking up R like cup RPAs and completed listings. And there are so few I see of these high profile names being bought and sold. Yeah. And I'm, my, I guess the long answer to this question eventually was, do you think these cards are going to, I, or at least have you seen a bump already? Like, do you, or is there demand on your side? Cause you have way more experience here than I do. Yeah. You know what? So this is a great question. And it was actually one of the things that I think is most important to talk to people about right now is that the young gun to cup ratio has never been a higher, right? So, you know, in the context of young guns used to be, you know, uh, 5% of the cup or zero, you know, 20 to one. Now we're like kind of close to eight to one, seven to one, right? Yeah. But that's not because um, people don't want to buy the cup. What that is, is that there are so many fewer comps that the evolution of pricing takes longer to, to uh. realize. So I'll give you a good example. If you guys look on eBay recently, there's an Elias Patterson Cup 99. And he's been a guy who's just been on fire young gun wise. Like, his raw young ones are 150, 170 bucks. I used to sell them for 60, 70 bucks, right? Yeah. So PSA 10s but, are now five, 600 US. Yeah, no right. And then the future watch auto double or triple that, right? Yeah. So, but this cup rookie, three color patch, very nice logo patch, but I think it did like four or five, maybe even $6,000. And that's double or triple what it was doing, you know, last year. So cup catches up, but it takes some time because, you know, Unlike young guns, which are traded like water. So, you know, there's a new one ending every day and you can see the pricing change every day, you know, because people have collections like this, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know oh, yeah. and, and they don't move them because like, I'm not going to sell my stuff. Right. Yeah. 
you know, it takes some time to like have that catch up in terms of value. Now, I think what you're going to start seeing some movement is, you know, in two weeks from now, when we have the cup come out um, this year, it'll be a good gauge to see, you know, what will a Kale McCarr cup rookie do off the bat and how will that compare to the young gun right now? That makes perfect sense, dude. Yeah, this is a big deal because this is the this is kind of the pandemic lockdown cup yeah. release. Yeah, yes, That's yeah. yeah. the market a bit, but man, sure. Matt is Matt spitting fire here and knowledge here because that's such a good Nuts. point in terms yeah. of the comps dictating where the pricing is going. I personally believe, and I'm pretty sure Matt does as well. I mean, there's two things here. If this was the basketball market, talking about the top players with the patches and the autographs that we see out of the cup, which is for all intents and purposes, kind of like, uh, you know, the national treasures of, of hockey, yeah. Yep. The, yeah. the prices would be double, triple if the market was handling it the same way. Um, right. So, so would, I mean, would you say there, there needs to be a price correction on this stuff? This is serially numbered stuff, 99, 249. And we're just not seeing the same rapid ascent as we have, like, like Brendan said, in the very accessible young guns market which is almost liquid it's 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 so out there yeah so would you say there's a big price correction coming up or or just yeah i would definitely say cup is undervalued right now um underpriced generally but again we're gonna need those big comps to happen and occur and we're gonna need auctions right like the fact of the matter is is like if you look at the high-end market right now in terms of cup and even in terms of like really high-end future watch autos we haven't seen a really good auction like one of those like you know absolute bangers yeah, um, it's months, a lot of a lot of vintage right now. You know what I mean? Like people are going, sure. they're going after vintage. They're like even like modern-ish vintage, like early two thousands. I've seen a bunch of young gun PSA ten uh, like flurries up, which I found yep. really cool. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, not not much cup action at all. Like if you look, if you watch from start to finish, even some notable names, it's like there's a kind of flat. Yeah, no, but I mean, like, you're just not seeing the number of options yeah. available, right? Yeah, like, for sure. And I think that when you start getting more comps coming up, you know, you're going to start having that same um, logical pattern where it's like, well, why would I buy five young guns when it's cup rookies only the price of eight young guns, right? Yeah. For whatever player it is. Yeah. And so that, I think, is, is going to be part of it. The other part of it, too, that's, um, you know, bolstering your graded idea, Aton, and I know that you touched on PSA 10 Pedersen, is that the graded you know, the grading companies are so backed up, right? The fact that you can't get a graded card yourself or it's going to take you three or four months or a couple hundred bucks to do means that they've created artificial scarcity. Yeah. Right. Like you have to go out and buy yourself a Pedersen Young Gun PSA 10. You can't buy a Pedersen Young Gun and then send a PSA because if you want it anytime in the next three or four months, it's going to cost you 150 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I think that, that that's part of it too right now. That that's 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 another that's another great point. And I and I was discussing this a little bit previously. I don't want to hijack the conversation, but even with that backup, by the way, I, I don't fully believe we're going to see this like crazy influx of PSA ten gem mints. I feel like a lot of people are are not grading the correct way these days. But that's a separate conversation. But it's definitely a part of it. It's if you like you said, if you want a PSA ten Jack Eichel. I've, I've had people come to me, make offers over market because the volume is so low when you go on yeah. even and you're not going to be able, I'm glad you stacked a dozen yourself, but are you going to be able to get those back in time yeah. to either take advantage or whatever it is you want to do with those cards? Yeah. Um, with, with the overall market, Matt, how much do you think hinges on 
for example, cards like like McDavid and, and Matthews, those are the auctions that I watch. I, I'm For example, the SP McDavid, there's only been one auction as of late. It was a PSA 9, and that achieved an all-time high somewhere yep. in the range of four or $5,000. How much do you think hinges on those auctions? Like, we need to see those auctions. Did you, did you see that? I'm sorry to interrupt, but did you see the cup, uh, McDavid, that just sold like two, three days ago? Yeah, there was, yeah. One, there was one recently. It, was, uh, it did well, yeah. The VGS 9 for like 40K. Right, and it was yeah. a nice patch. It was a beautiful patch, man. I was like, oh, this thing is a Goliath, man. So that was, I think that was like, it was promising for me. I was like, okay, this is like the first, I think, heavy hitter we've seen drop. Uh, at least like modern heavy hitter. You yeah. know what I mean? Do you think Do you think the hockey market is much like the other markets in that way, Matt, that we kind of hinge on the the top, uh, the yeah, sexy I mean, players? I mean, we're, we're all superstar driven, right? Like, you know, I always say like, if you want to buy a player, make sure he's going to hit the ESPN highlight reel, right? Yes. Like, you know, that's why we don't buy defensive defensemen. That's why we don't buy, you know, I don't know, to some degree, like, you know, third line, second line prospects, yeah. right? They're not sexy to us, right? Yeah. Like the fact of the matter is McDavid, Matthews, first of all, they, you know, the division realignment has done wonders for them because now they're like yes. no defensive teams. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, like, that was the secret before the season started. Nothing. I mean, yeah, that was, that was the play, right? I mean, you know, load up on the guys who were just going to light up the North division because there's no defenseman there. Anyways, right. but I mean, I think, I think it does definitely depend on, on some of those high ends, but at the same time, it's like, you know, one guy has four or five or six good games in a row and suddenly you know, he's, he's back to being a, a very collectible player like Nick Suzuki, right? I mean, Nick Suzuki, his young man was $35 in the offseason. This guy's yep. rolling 150, but that team is playing really well. He's playing really well. He looks like a top line center. I mean, but that storyline can come out of anywhere. And if you're smart enough to think about it, I'm not yeah. saying I am, but yeah. if you are, you know, you can find these little holes and say, you know, that doesn't make sense. That player is much better than, you know, he's being priced at. Yeah. Right. Now, now, there's. I have some Matt isms. Go for it. The, the, the classic Matt isms, okay, are, are are generally they're generally correct. But I want to see if there's been any change as the years have matured. Matt, um, number one, focus on the top two players on a team, and number two, defensemen no go zone. Now, Matt, have you changed your thoughts on defensemen given? The, uh, the influx of offensive defensemen who have been popular in the market. I'm looking at the Heiskanen's, the Makars, uh, Quinn. Um, Matt, Matt, McAvoy's having a good year this year, finally. Have Great you year. softened your stance on the defensemen at all? Yes and no, right? I mean, like, I think we've always kind of liked Eric Carlson, you and I, right? We've always liked, you know, the guys who put up the 70, 80 points, you know, a season. But I'm going to tell you this is that, I would still way rather buy a forward than a defenseman in the context of this. Like any, t like if you think about a hundred interactions between a forward and a defenseman that are on opposing sides of the ice, right? Even if the defenseman gets it right 95% of the time, that 5% of the time isn't ending up in the back of the net. And the egg on the face goes to the Quinn Hughes, right? I mean, <laughs> I watched him play the other day and he just got bullied. Like, and there's a highlight where it just yeah. Newlander. They're getting, they're getting four of them. lapped right now. And that's what I'm saying, right? It's like yeah. you can be an offensive player from the blue line, and and as long as you're a good defender, you're going to be well respected. You can be an offensive player as a forward and be shit at defense and achieve even greater hype from the hobby. Yeah. Right. So why do I have to take that risk of playing both sides? Right. Like 
you know, if, if I end up on the TSN highlight reel because, you know, I got dunked on, you know, I don't want to be that guy either, right? I don't want to be the guy who gets deeped out. I don't want to be Morgan Riley when he looks the wrong way against Connor McDavid, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter that Morgan Riley gives 65 points a game, a season, sorry. Yeah. Right? So that's kind of how I look at it, right? It's like, you know, you can buy defensemen. There are a lot of offensive defensemen, but, you know, had they been forwards with the same kind of stature and skill set, I think that they'd be worth more. I love it. Now, man. Digging love into it. the cup collecting itself. Sure. Are there, are there, I, I, these are the conversations I love having with you. We'll get you. I'm sure you're going to have to do your best to be informative, but also hold your hand to a degree. What are some cup cards do you, that you feel right now are being the most overlooked? What are you yourself looking for? I know you are a completist. What are you yourself looking for? And what are your favorites? Oh, um, Really good questions all around. What's your favorite um, year? I have a feeling I know, but what's your favorite year is another question. Uh, 16, 17, probably. Wow. Um, okay. All right. I, I just thought that, it might be 07, 08, but okay. 16, 17. I, 07, 08, I only like one player, but I mean, right. uh, you know, but 16, you know, 17, I think is the most complete year we've seen probably in a decade. Yes. Um, yes. High-end talent across the board a variety of teams, you know, and then the mid-level talent is massive too, right? You're talking about, you know, on the top end, you're talking obviously Matthews, uh, Line A, Marner, Nylander, right? And then just below Matt Kachuk, Sebastian Aho, uh-huh. Ivan Provorov, Travis Konecki is coming up, Kyle Connor, Braden Point. Like, you don't get a draft year. Sorry? Did you complete the set? Yeah, I did. Yeah, of course. Wow, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And, and I'm trying to update my patches, so uh, I, I'm still on it. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it, it was an incredible year for hockey cards that year. Um, I can pull it out in a second if you want to see it. Um, in I, terms want to of, the, I want to see the Matthews. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, can, I have them all here. They're just, they're just kind of – Is it a Matthews patch? Around. Huh? Matthews patch? It's the RPA. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the RPA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 9 I had to get it graded because I don't like having raw, high, really high end. It kind of freaks me out. Aton did that to me because Aton, uh, Aton can find a flaw in a card that no one else can see. So like, it just bugs me. Well, you're yeah. jumping ahead of me because I got questions about. Okay. So we'll go back. Sorry. We'll, we'll, go back. we'll go back. We'll get to that. So, so I think the one a player that's really overlooked and, and a guy who I've always been talking about, but he's been injured for the first part of the year. I think Couturier underrated. Um, Selkie winner. That team is absolutely fire. Um, they're probably going to make a lot of noise in the playoffs. Uh, they're a complete team and he's going to probably be the one who leads them you know, if they succeed through that, through that. You, you, know how I, you know how I feel about him, Matt. And I, yeah. and I almost, I had a suspicion you might, you might go there. Team's playing yeah. solidly. He's going to show up. It can only get better. We, yeah. We've been on him. We, you and I have been on him for years. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think Nico Heischer uh, doesn't get the love he deserves. He's a better player than he's, uh, he's talked about. Um, you know, prior to this, this off season, I would have said Nathan McKinnon. I thought McKinnon, um, I think McKinnon is a lot closer to McDavid than a lot of people think he is. Yeah. Um, just in terms of talent, you know, they're different talent sets. He's much bigger. He's much stronger. He's a better team player. He gives his chance a better, his team a better chance to win, I'd say. Um, but he gets value like garbage. Um, you know, he's like a five or $6,000 cup rookie for a bit there. Um, that was an easy pickup for me. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you know, underrated players, it's, it's tough to say, right. Cause it all depends on who gets hot at what time, but, uh, you know, I think, that, you know, Jonathan Duran could be a, a guy who puts up some numbers this year. He's already point per game. Um, you know, Montreal keeps their eye on Suzuki, but, 
you know, he just needs to score a couple of big goals and he's right back yeah. in that picture, right? And his cup rookie or his young end and cup rookies and, and future watch on is also a dirt cheap, right? So, so is, yeah. Is, I, I, is, there a, is there a 99 or maybe even a 249, but is there, I would imagine, would likely be a 99. Is there one that's eluded you or has been difficult to source with a nice patch? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. A nice, nice patch. I mean, if you're I not mean, waking up, if you're not waking up in the morning thinking about it, then it's yeah. probably not a major one. Then you're. I've been okay. Yeah, uh, you know, seventeen, eighteen, Besser. Uh, they only made two colors, so that was annoying. Yeah. Uh, I recently upgraded my Pettis into a four, so that was okay. Mm. Yeah. No. I. You know. I've been all right. I've been all right, man. You know. Things have been okay yeah. on in the, in the rehouse. Are you? Are you? Are you currently well stocked on Huberto and Barkov? As usual, I'm, I'm always well stocked in Huberto. I, I, I don't think I don't think there's been a period of time where I've known you where you don't have the hookup for the Huberto or the Barkov. You know what? The the Barkov. I mean, that's another player we gotta talk about. But like, dude, that whole team, that whole team has been like underperforming for like let's say three, four years, but they well, finally look pretty good now. You know, they look yeah. really good. For, well, for context, Brendan, Matt and I have been bouncing around Panthers for the last 10 plus years. I believe it. Honestly, I believe it because we, me and you used to talk a good life about like, yo, uh, Huberto, Barkov. Absolutely, yeah. Vinny Trocek, who I still love. You know Ooh. what I mean? Like, bro, I still got bad scene. love for Vinny Trocek. I don't care. Absolutely. Character player. You know what I mean? So, well, yeah, well, like, that, yeah, I mean, I mean, there are a lot of those teams like that, though, right? Where it's like. They were just, they just had the bad luck of having to play against, you know, Boston, Tampa, and, and those guys eight times a season or six times a season, right? I mean, yep. Florida was a better team than people gave it credit for. They had goaltending issues for a while, defensive issues for a while. And you're right now, they look pretty good, right? But like Barkov and Uberdo are both like, like very underrated players. The yes. fact that you can buy an Uberdo cup for under 200 bucks is a real sham because that guy scores over a point per game consistently. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I'm buying some Huberto today, man. I mean, the, the guy has spent his entire career being that point-per-game guy. Yeah, there's been some bumps in the road with injuries. But when yeah. he's going, he, he goes at that clip that we like to see, that that Miko Rantanen kind of runaway clip. Same, same and, and you player, only see you that know? from a few guys. We yeah. just need yeah. him to do it consistently, right? Um, and, and we need the team to win, right? I mean, yes. you know, it, it doesn't matter if you're putting up 100 points a season on a team that's garbage and doesn't make the playoffs, right? But this year finally their goaltending looks somewhat competitive yeah right and and let's not forget the florida panthers have two incredible goalies in their system right now right they have that spencer knight kid spencer from the knight, u.s olympics i think they knight. also have the canadian the levi kid as well so yeah. they have both team those new york goalies right like yeah. if bobrovsky for whatever reason doesn't work out these guys have a deep pool like it's surprisingly deep team and i think it's a sleeper team Aaron Ekblad is going to win a Norris, man. Like he, I, he's, he's probably two or three years away, but like, just watch him progressively get better. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I agree. He, he reminds me a lot of a smaller headman, but fuck can he play hockey, man? Yeah. But you see the only thing with him and that's going to hold him back is offensively. He's never really brought it. Right. And you're always going to have problems selling to a, you know, committee of people who vote from the media on um, a guy who only gets 30 or 40 or 45 points a season. Yeah. Right. right? But if he, if he can crank that shit up and, and they pull yeah. Yandel off, which I still don't know why they have Yandel. He's terrible. I don't but, know. you know, no you know if, he, if he ends up being a first power play kind of guy, 
you know, 60, 70 points, then you're really talking. That's right? what I you're mean. Really, yeah. You're really in there. Yeah. I can see it. I can definitely see it. I think he's, like I said, he's like, he's a few tweaks away because I think last year he had like 45 and like 58 or something or 45 and 65 or something. And I'm like, eh, I'm like, that's, that's the kind of pace you're going to need, but we're, we need that, those games. But, yeah, I agree. I agree. So into I'm the still young. I'm still young. Yeah. It, into the details of cup RPAs. It, you've got a unique situation because when it comes to the young guns, it's a young gun card. Okay. Yep. There, yep. there are a few circumstances where you can, you can point to the McKinnon, for example, with the pink blur where there's some variation, but at the end of the day, the ultimate variation and choice comes through the cup because we've got singular patches on each card. Each card is kind of unique as a result, right? Yeah. You've got numbering, right? So the first card off the press, the, the last card off the press, the Jersey number, there are oh, a lot yeah, of these elements, as well as the, the number one thing that is asked about regarding the cup for me, Matt, is especially from new collectors, is condition. Now, I can tell you right off that, and I kind of took, took from you in this sense back in the day when we were starting to get into cup cards, is that condition was very secondary. You were looking for the card. There was only so many to go around, even you know specifically with the 99s. You want to get a nice patch. You want to get a nice autograph. Uh, you know, we talked about the Barkov. His, his signature would oftentimes go into the window. Yeah. We looked at all these details, and condition was almost secondary. Sure. Um, look, you've got a card that has four corners, and, uh, sorry, eight corners instead of four. There's yep. so much more that can go wrong right out of the pack. Um, then, there's, then there's the issue of grading, right? And there's always going to be enhancements to value via grading. But like you yeah. touched on a little bit previously, it's obviously a very difficult grade. What are your observations when it comes to the value uh, of the of the individual cup cards when it comes to like you 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 are always looking for top patches? Yeah. And there's gonna be, I'm assuming there's gonna be a premium involved there. What's that premium like? And yeah. is yeah. grading relevant to you at the end of the day when it comes to cup patches? I would say this, like, you know, grading, I'll touch on that one first, you know, it's less of a desire, more of a, 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 a second party check or third party check, right? Like when I buy a Matthews cup and I pay nine grand, 10 grand, I just want to make sure that it's not damaged. Yeah. Right. Cause like to your point, I'm more interested in the patch. Right. But I know that down the road, if I ever try to make a move on it, you know, I don't want to have to go with the person and explain why there's a dent on the back. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. So for me, grading, like even a nine, even an eight, five, actually, you know, my Pedersen I just bought was an eight, five. It doesn't bother me at all because all it just tells me is, look, this card is in good condition. It's not in great condition. It's is not that likely, is that, is that likely the average? Would you say like the average cup card? Like I, I've always said it's probably no, the average card is, comes out of a pack eight to eight, five average yeah. card. Yeah. Right. So cup might even be a little on the low side. I would say that, you know, for example, this year of cup where everything grades like shit and none of the corners look good. Yeah. Right. You're going to most likely get an eight five, right. Or an eight. Right. And you know, you're like 16, 17 where the card was glossy and white. Well, you're yes. running at a better grade on the condition, but your auto is in, in risk, right? Because yeah. the guys can auto properly. Look at all the Avos. They're all auto garbage, right? Even half the Matthews are that way. Right. So I think, you know, it's pros and cons each year, but certainly to your point, it's to me, it's less of a factor. Like I have a couple of nine, five cup rookies. I don't need them to be nine, five. Um, but if they come that way to me, it's fine. 
right? But to your point, I'd rather have a nine with the top, top patch than nine five with a standard three color or standard two color. And again, this is so, this is so interesting because like, like I said, when I jumped in, the first thing I got was like that, that Riley patch eight yeah. and a half, right? And I'm like, I'm looking at this thing, like up until now, I didn't have any, I didn't own anything graded. So I'm like, oh, eight and a half. That's, that's fucking crazy. You know? And, um, and then like the, like months start going by and I see people like wanting to throw nines out a window, like not necessarily like with cup, but like in general, in the hobby, nines are, are like, like genuinely meaningless. You know what I mean? Like, unless they're like some fucking vintage ass card or something that's extremely yeah, it's high, so, highly desirable. It's so dependent. Cup is a great thing in that sense, Brendan, because that shows you that it's so dependent on the product. Like, again, for me, I, I, I think love that remembers, I got into grading at a fairly early point. I got really yeah. heavy integrating because I saw the advantage there when it came to base cards. Because if everyone's going to have this card, I want to have the one that has been identified as being of a better condition. When it came yep. to cup, yeah. how, how did we carry our cup around? Now, I know you got a fancy schmancy case now, uh, Matt, like a lot of people do uh, that protects your cards. But back in the day, what did we have? We had, we had boxes full of one touches yep. carrying our cup cards. And as soon as I saw that open, like, all my, you know, all my concerns about grading kind of went out the window. It's like, let's see these cards because they're so rare to begin with. Let's see what you got. That's number 99. Let's see what patches you have. And yep. I love that. I love that collecting mentality when it comes to the world of the cup. Now, be, that being said, you are in that world, Matt, you, you know, many other big time cup collectors. I'm sure you all know one another to, to some sure, degree. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so let's talk about some of the potential pitfalls here. We know that there are fake patches out there. There are some uh, yeah. negative players in the hobby. And I know that you and several other people are always trying to be on top of that and, and spreading the word about that. Is that still an issue? And are there some resources people can use to kind of help with, with, uh, with, this, with the concept of fake patches and things like that? Yeah, yeah. So I think that you, you bring up a couple of questions, good, you know, good questions. And yeah, I think fake patches is the number one thing that almost scared me from, you know, collecting cup and collecting cup the way I do, which is looking for those top, top patches, right? Yeah. Um, there are a lot of things you can do, though, that are really good. Um, first of all, all, almost all breaks now have a video component, right? With all these massive breaks going on, you can see the car getting pulled out of the pack. Yeah. Right. I personally saved those videos and it's a really weird thing to do, but if anyone would ever come to me and be like, Hey, that card you have right now, it's not real. I'd be like, well, I just pulled it. I saw, I watched the guy pull it and it's, you know, and, and I bought it. So yeah. frankly, it's undebatable. Yeah. yeah. Right. The other thing too is, you know, Worthopedia, uh, Worthopedia is worth points, you know, historical data set. You can go in there and look at the items. You just cannot look at the price without subscribing. So for free, you can go and see every cup rookie of a certain player that's ever sold on eBay in the last like three or four years. Fantastic. Right? What I like to do is I like to try to go, um, you know, Aho cup 55 of 249 or 55, just to see if the 55 has sold, if it's the one I'm looking at right now. You know, and maybe it's the same one. Maybe it's a different one. Maybe it's, you know, something's wrong with the patch, right? Um, but I, you know, I, I do still think it's a problem. I still think that upper deck by all means should be pack out picturing. I don't know why we don't have that. Right. It's even yeah. for at least the 99 players, yeah. right? Like how can they not send 99 pictures, uh, you know, a sheet picture of the 99 cards. Is it the it, only yeah. time they did it with McDavid? Was that the only time? 
McDavid, um, you know, there were a couple of years that uh, Matt McDonald uh, helped out by putting on those Hobby Insider, um, you know, he has some archives there for some players, but they're all quite old. So all the new players, none of them have it, but it really is something that we should, that should be done, right? Like it doesn't make sense for it not to be done. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, until then we have to use a combination with the PDA and just watching and catching breaks early. Well, well the great thing is, Matt, you and I are getting older and I feel like we've, uh, we've seen uh, a lot of the cup cards that are out there literally yeah, uh, yeah at have. least of the of the bigger of the bigger stars i still think it's i still think unfortunately it's a bit of an imperfect science i think you remember i mean we could tell anecdotes all day but there was sure. there was a particular card i had i was convinced myself when i received it that it was a fake patch and then the person i ended up moving it to himself was a big cup collector who was on top of some of these websites he confirmed it as being real even though i had these really strong suspicions and i kept putting yeah. it out there because i obviously wanted to be very forward yeah so you know it, it, you can get into that situation where you trust a certain resource but maybe even the resource doesn't 100 percent know what's going on but yep. as we mentioned earlier actually before you came on matt we were talking about how this is a self-policing community we're able to kind of disseminate information and, and help one another that way whenever something does pop up but i think some of the things you mentioned i think it's brilliant that you're recording some of these breaks um in case you know yep. something yep. does hit you have that source material absolutely so that's yes. great let's talk about the new release february 17th what are you looking Ooh. forward to what so is your I'm plan of crazy. attack given the craziness of this market what's your plan well, of attack? let's talk about the fact that it's, let's talk about the fact that a thousand dollars a tin you start like that is crazy. Yes. $1,000 a tin is an insane number, especially given the rookie class, which I think oh, is. I give us a What was it in previous years? Give us some perspective. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, generally, you know, 17, 18 was doable at three grand a case or six boxer. Um, yes. You know, and and it was even cheaper before that. You know, 14, 15, 15, 16, even 15, 16, which was supposed to be expensive, never cracked a thousand dollars a box out of the gate. Wow! Right? I mean, the fact of the matter is, is like you know that reflects kind of the hype and and, and the interest that people have in the cup, right? Which is, you know, I think it's a great thing. And but you know, I think it also reflects on the fact that most people are going to do this product via case break, right? Like very few people are going to go out there and go willy-nilly buy six a six grand or eight grand case right now because frankly it doesn't make much sense yeah right the chance that you're going to return on that like I've, and i've never returned well in cup but like the chance that you're going to return on us on a six gate case is, is crazy like it's crazy low how many how many cards come in a tin i think it's like six or seven depending on depending on how good the tin is yeah damn yeah so you're, you're talking about like like a, over $150 a card. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like some serious money. Yeah. So Matt, right. I'm assuming I'm assuming you're going to lay back with, uh, I don't know what Matt's drinking. Actually, what, what am I saying? Matt's going to lay back with a real nice whiskey. Yeah, you got it. Uh, a, a clean whiskey. You know, sure. you're going to lay back and you're going to watch the action and you're going to probably approach it that way in terms of identifying the singles you're looking at, letting the market kind of fall where it may with pricing. No, nope. are you gonna pack nope. some of this product? Oh yeah, doing a case. Yeah, yeah. Me and me and a couple of buddies are doing a case. Yeah, for All sure. Right. 
because you, you got to pay to play, right? I mean, like, yeah. well, you got you to sure. be in the action, man. I, I, can't, yeah. I can't be sitting on the sidelines, right? That, so that anyways, is the collector element, absolutely. Yeah, man. Like, right. but if you like, want to make money, you got to be in there, you know? But no, but, here, but here's the other thing, too, is, like, I got, a, I got a job, right? Like, when I collect, I do it from, like, it's a, it's a therapeutic, it's a very, like, yeah. you know, relaxing thing for me to do. So I can't be just thinking about dollars and cents all the time, right? Like, I don't look at my, my collection and think about, you know, the – dollar per card I, I spend right it's not really like that right yeah. like if that were the case i wouldn't be buying top patches of guys like mike riley right Daniel shoulder right i'm paying like yeah. 40 50 bucks per card for these guys they yeah. suck yeah. i'm never yeah. gonna get that money out right but like that's, who very, cares, that's right? very clear on your page is that you are in my at least i believe first and foremost you are a collector you love hockey yeah, yeah. genuinely um, like if, if, if i don't get destroyed every year you know Twenty thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars down a year, and I'm feeling pretty good about where yeah. I landed, right? So yeah. if I can flip a couple of my, you know, young guns I have like buried in a box somewhere, and someone wants them, and they're gonna pay for them, and I can use that money to go and buy more cup stuff, then that's fine, right? Like yeah. I'll probably lose four grand on this cup case. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Like probably at least four grand. But like, what are you gonna do, right? But like, I, I mean, I would throw this in. I would throw this in. That 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 four thousand that you might lose. Uh, here's here's where that's transplanted a like matt already said the experience enjoying that that's second none that is that is the type of adrenaline charged experience you don't get every day in the hobby um as well and you know i mean correct me if i'm wrong matt you're you're actually putting yourself in a position to learn a lot about the product right off the bat like you're, you're going to be seeing it coming out of the packaging you're going to know all the little kind of you know, all the foibles of the product, the things to look out for, how they're, how, how the, you know, how the inserts are, are being seated. I think that's invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's definitely a part of that too. Right. And, and for me, you know, it's more about the entertainment, man. Like that cracking for me is entertainment. You know, I'm going to do a bunch of cases of series two as well. I just love opening a pack. Yeah. And you know it too, like you're the same way, right? Like, yeah. There's something about that, like, where it's like, it's not about, you know, making my 15 or 18% IRR. Like, I'm never going to yeah. do that. Right? It's never going to work, right? Yeah, and there's... But, like, you know, but cracking a pack is cracking a pack, man. And it just brings you back. It brings you back to when you're a kid. It's, 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 the, it's, the, it's the original part of the hobby, that's right? A, Before yeah. all the trading and the selling and the buying, yeah. you're a kid, you crack a pack. Like, that's how and it that, was, yeah. right? Like, that big you know, hit, you're at the store, you crack a pack. Hit. Right, convenience store, crack a pack, right? Like that's just how it is. Yeah. So you know, I'm just a bigger, older kid now, right? So it's just more and more packing, cracking a pack. But the other thing that I'll be doing a lot of is I'm not probably going to be waiting for pricing, Aton. If I see the patch I want right off the bat, I'm going to pay big money for it. Yeah. Right, and that's the thing. Because like the one thing I've realized over time is that you know, and I've waited a lot. And uh, many times I'll wait after a cup release. Like to your point, right? Because pricing always starts off crazy, then gets kind of reasonable at the time. Yeah. But for me, like, I've missed out on some insanely good patches that way. And in, in cards, of, like, you know, I could have just think, thought to myself, like, damn, like, why don't I just pick that up? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, like, and, and you know, if the difference was a couple hundred bucks, you know, on like, a, let's say it's a card, like, you know, a Sebastian Ajo, right? You know, like, that, uh, the best patch is probably 800 bucks off the, off the gate, you know. A regular is probably... 300 and then they all both sink down eventually over time yeah but like just pay up front and then you don't have to worry about it right and this worked out really well for me last year i picked up a four color spectacle before realizing i think there's only three of them that exist 
right? So yeah. if you see that patch and you see it and you know it's the one you want, just buy it, right? And I overpaid at the time for the specially car full color, but I knew it was real. I saw it come out of a pack. I contacted this, the little guy who hit it and I bought it. And I paid some stupid money, but now that now three colors are only for two grand. So yeah, now we're okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel I feel like that was your approach when like there's no secret. Matt is a big Boston Bruins fan. Despite that, I still okay. like him. Brendan, you yeah. should too. Um, Listen, I, this part of the conversation. I feel, like, I feel like that was your approach with the Pasternak's when they finally hit the market. You were just oh, like, I'm, sure. I'm gonna for identify sure. the the top patches and I'm going. Yeah, I found the bear patch. On, you know, I called the store, which was located somewhere in Montreal or Ottawa. I offered him some, you know, a car payment level size, you know, money, and and you know, we just we just did it. You know, that's how you do it. That's boss style there. But like at the same time, like I'm never gonna find a car like that again. So like if I let it go and someone else paid twenty five or you know twenty eight, yeah, and, it's worth and I can assure you that investment has probably already appreciated quite nicely, given what Pasternak is doing out there. Sure. As but, of but it, doesn't, it doesn't matter to me because I'm never selling it, right? Like yeah, it's like, doesn't care. Yeah. Like that's the other thing too. Is like so like and you know recently I got a lot of flack from you know some of my more uh, steady-minded investing style collecting friends about picking up the Jack and the Queen Hughes shields. They want the ultimate shield, and I paid you know 10k plus for the pair. Let's say this is the put a number there, and like and and half the collect community still thought Jack Hughes was a bust, right? And yeah. You know what? I just don't care because if I ever sell them and I probably won't, right. I'm going to be looking for more. And if I don't get more, I'll just hold them till I die. So you, right? you picked up a shield of a number one draft pick. who's 20 years old and people are going to give you flack that he's not performing yet. In my mind, that's wild. 19 at a time. 19 at a time. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd rather be on your end of Ridiculous. that play than the people who are complaining. Uh, anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Jack so, looks good this year, man. Yeah. He looks okay. Yeah. So there you go. And then you got to hope Nico might, upon his return, might, might also add to that potentially. I have three of his as well. <laughs> so, Matt, thank you so much for joining us, thank man. You. I really appreciate it. Do you, do you, uh, you have anything you want to throw out there in terms of how people can get in touch with you? Uh, we, we know your Instagram, uh, Lee sports cards, anything else you want to mention or shout out? No, that's the best way, you know, shoot me a message. I'm always willing to talk. I'm always willing to help you value stuff and, you know, see if it, you know, if I think a card is real or fake, you know, and, you know, at the end of the day, I want to build a strong community. And I think that our hobby has a lot of room to grow in terms yeah. of sports. You know, I think that there's a lot of people who are interested now who are not, who are not interested before. And I welcome them. And I hope that as a community, we can embrace them to make our, you know, the value of our collections better. Yeah. Right. Fantastic. I can't recommend talking to Matt enough, man. He's a, He's got plenty of knowledge and uh, he knows what he likes. He knows what he wants. If you're looking for something, he's got the goods as well. So yeah, Matt, thanks so much for <laughs> love it, man. Matt, yeah, take it's care, a pleasure guys. meeting you. Thank you for everything, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Talk to you soon, man. Have a good one, bro. All right. Wow, man. Honestly, I cannot believe he's got a Matthews patch, dude. Like, well, you should check out check out his page, uh, Lee's. Uh, I believe it's Lee's underscore, underscore sports cards. It is a you know it's a veritable museum of uh, some of the best cup stuff. And like like he mentioned, some of these players are not necessarily the top marquee players like Austin. And he's got those cards, but he loves showing off the rarities of players a little bit more off the beaten path, one of ones, unique jersey patches. That's the fun thing about collecting the cup. Yes, it is expensive. 
but as a hockey fan, it's just like a, it's, it's, it's like a playground of cool patches, game used gear, um, autographs on the card. Do you know, after searching his page, I went looking for the Connor McDavid shield and I found it. Yep. It's listed. It's uh, I think it's a nine. So the BGS nine did. Do you know what the seller is asking? The one of one cup shield, 1560 half a mil, $2 million, 2 million. I mean, and again, not unreasonable in this market. And, uh, but wouldn't it be great if that was put up for auction and we could get a number that would have a huge, tremendous impact on, on the hockey market. It's like, and it's, and Matt just gave us some nuggets. Dude, some I was, I was nuggets. floored, man. It was good shit. I was like, whoo, that's good, man. And, and again, that's reflective of someone who's been in the hobby for a lot of years. He was in this way before the current explosion. He was, he was in this way before. I mean, I recall the last, last expo I was at that Matt was at, we were starting to see these, these bumps. We, we were starting like the, 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 the collectors that were accumulating ores, Gretzky's, key mcdavids we were seeing the the initial bump in the mckinnon because remember that was a that was a 200 dollars young gun in a psa 10 slab not long ago so we were already seeing all these things before the big you know lockdown explosion that we saw in 2020 matt's been around a while he's got great perspective on this and it's so true the reason why i think we still haven't seen the price correction in the cup market is there's just not enough comps out there's not enough volume yeah uh, but in a lot of ways, that's exciting. If you do have a great cup card out there, you've got your Morgan Riley, you've got a unique singular piece that is, it's your market, man. It's at this point, it's yours to decide how, yeah. what it's worth, what you would take for it. And that's advantageous for people that have yeah. really nice cup stuff. Right? Yeah, for sure. Man, um, we got one thing left to cover today, and that is... The fitness segment. We got to talk a little bit about fitness today. And um, mainly because we opened the, the segment off by talking about cheesecake. So how about That's we talk right. about why I'm able to eat cheesecake in the goddamn first place? Well, we have talked about that a little bit in the past. We've talked about energy in, energy out, and timing, right? So I am sure that you have not been sitting on your butt during all of this cheesecake eating that you've been doing. You remain very active. And I'm sure that the rest of your day that does not involve cheesecake involves some smart decisions when it comes to nutrition, sure drinking does. lots of water and that sort of thing. But Brendan, when you and I get up in about 10 minutes from now, when we're done with the podcast, it's the same thing. Always. We're going to experience a lot of pain in our hips, standing up in our back because we've been sitting in this weird, awkward position for a while now, which is why I should probably maybe set something up for myself here so that I'm not always lurched forward and in this horrible position. Nonetheless, we wanted to, I, I believe we wanted to talk a little bit, and this does apply to the cheesecakes. We want yes, to burn off those that's cheesecake. That's how powders. I transitioned it. That's right. We want to we want to burn off that cheesecake with the most effective multi-joint, multi-muscular exercises, the compound exercises. These tend to be lower body exercises. Now, the average guy, Brendan, family members, friends of yours, when they tell you that they've started working out. What do they gravitate towards? What do the men gravitate towards? Chest and buys, bruh. Bruh, right? They are working the traps. They're doing this. They're doing that. By the way, what they're doing is working their shoulders a lot. They're doing a lot of this. They're doing a lot of this. They're doing a lot of this pushing, right? So 
we've talked about balance, not only when it comes to the upper body with the push and the pull, but now let's talk about the balance of the upper and the lower. Yep. Do you want to be one of these guys rocking the gigantic upper body frame on a couple of sticks? I like to call it the upside down, upside down pyramid, to be honest. Yes. You know, just right. Uh... I'm telling you right now, boys, it's not a good look. The other guys will notice and the women's will notice. Those are the people that are wearing pants at the beach. That's right. So ultimately, you're doing yourself a huge favor if as soon as possible, you start getting on the squat train, the deadlift train, the lunge train. We know why people avoid these things. They're more difficult to do. They are more taxing. But always remind yourself, yes, they are more taxing. They're going to burn more calories. They're going to produce more results for you in an efficient way in a multi-muscular way, far more than you'd get if you committed, you know, 15, 20 minutes of your day just to do, just to doing bicep curls. That the, being said. What the dudes don't know is that, at least most of them, is that the more compound the movement, aka if you can get those legs involved in a movement, it actually helps spike your testosterone. So it's kind of like free steroids. I mean, like. That's I'm, great. You know, so I, why not use your body's natural response to help you build muscle using these movements? It, it actually helps spike your testosterone, which results in you building more muscle, burning more fat, having a better libido, you know, like uh, growing a better beard, you know, all these good things from squatting. Yep. And shabby. Again. It should make sense to people. You're using your largest muscular groups, the quadriceps, the hamstrings, the glutes. They are your largest muscular groups. You are utilizing them to burn the most calories, to produce the most testosterone response. This is a clinically proven thing. It should make sense to people, again, because you're utilizing your largest muscle groups. And the most important element that I'd like to throw in there is that you are working on your overall functionality. Yes. We are not supposed to be, as human beings, sitting the way that we are sitting, okay? What we want to strive for is to get as much openness in our hips, as much depth as possible, so we can kind of sit in that full squat position with dorsiflexion comfortably. Um, Brendan, would you want to maybe show us that? Are you able to show us that visually? Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, we'll see what we can do. We'll see what we can do here. I, I try to live in the full sit position myself. And we've also seen Instagram challenges where people challenge themselves to get into that position. Do your best here. Brendan, I know we're in lockdown. I know you're not able to get under a bar unless you've got some sort of secret hookup you're not telling me about. Okay, how, how, do we, how deep do we want this? <laughs> Let's see how, how low we can go where you're comfortable. So there we go. So we should be able to get down that low, stay down there and be comfortable in that position, which by the way, you know, many of the Eastern parts of the world, that is just how life is because they are not used to the same type of office-based, chair-based reality that we live in. People sit and wait for the bus in this position. That is- <laughs> Imagine you know, eating dinner on, at, in that position, dude. Eating dinner in that position. Eating dinner in that position. Extremely uncomfortable. It's a very <laughs> easy way to test yourself. If you're Ooh. having trouble with that position, if it's painful, if it's uncomfortable, there's work to be done. Yeah, I, I would, you know, and again, without sitting here and telling you that Coach Cole and I are the be-all, end-all of expertise, 
There are people that make careers getting into the details here. I'm a big fan of Kelly Starrett. He's on Instagram under the ready state. We talk about Instagram a lot because we are on Instagram. So if I'm going to make recommendations. So, you know, Kelly Starrett, the author of uh, How to Become a Supple Leopard. I I highly recommend Because the idea is we want to intersect stretching, uh, flexing, all of these different elements. And there's, there's a lot to unpack. But at the end of the day, you are on the right path if you are squatting and deadlifting, whether it's basics at home with a little bit of extra weight, like we talked about, Brendan whipped out the, uh, the laundry detergent. Yeah, Even man. if you're squatting body weight, maybe you want to look into things that are called Japanese slash Hindu squats uh, that you can do at home with body weight. These are all excellent choices to not only build up uh, the muscular groups, but it's for function and movement and for the core. And we can all use that right now in our situations. And when you're getting kind of stressed out and you feel a little overwhelmed, there's no better release of endorphins than than getting in a good workout. And we always, whenever someone is being trained, uh, whenever someone is with myself or with Brendan, the first thing they're going to notice is workouts are generally going to open with the larger muscle groups. Yeah. We are always going to insist that people are squatting, lunging, and deadlifting. Why all the squatting? Why all the deadlifting? Well, you now know because it's the most efficient way to go about doing things. Exactly. It's the best yeah. way to exert the most amount of energy. And you're going to start to, you're going to, wouldn't it be an amazing thing to walk better? Wouldn't it be an amazing thing to have more stability? Less These lower are back, more. less lower back pain, less knee pain. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, why not? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You remember, just remember this. You've got to counterbalance this position that we are in. That's tightening our hip flexors up. We have to counterbalance this one way or the other in life. And to put aside a half an hour to an hour each day to try to counterbalance that is a very smart decision yeah. because things build up. You stay in this position all the time. It builds. Couldn't agree more, except you muted yourself. You got so excited. Um, there so we go. Counterbalance. And yeah. you're not counterbalancing what's going on down here. If you're just doing push-ups all day, push-ups are great. Keep doing them. But bear in mind, the lower body is going to give you a lot of bang for your buck. We're adding to that, you know? So, like, it's the push-ups are great, but, like, now we're adding a new component. And life's all about adding new layers. That's it. All right. All right, team. I hope you guys enjoyed not only hearing about some absolutely unbelievable, authentic one-of-one cards, but enjoyed listening about, you know, lower body movements and getting the best bang for your buck. I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day and uh, keep it real, team. Coach Coat. Thanks for coming out, y'all. Coaches are out.